0: Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate, Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Gabby Mackay and making his podcast return after two weeks on the sidelines for matrimonial reasons (laughs) is the one and only Adam Miller. How you doing? On the pod today, Stephen Gerrard knocks back a move to Pride Park. Some Partick Thistle fans don't find pride a lark and he was wide with the predatory strength of a shark. (laughs) It's bye bye boy day at Rugby Park. Nice. So, on to the breaking news of the day, and it appears Stephen Gerrard has rejected an offer from Derby County. The Rams are reported to have approached him to replace Frank Lampard, but the Rangers manager has apparently said no, proving that after years of ill disciplined displays in England midfield, they finally learn that when one goes, the other has to stay. Adam, are you surprised that Stevie G's knocked it back?
1: Um, not massively. Uh, I think Gerrard eventually sees himself managing down south. Um, I don't think that would surprise anyone. But in the meantime, I think given this is his first managerial job or first proper managerial job at Rangers, um, I think he's going to want to uh, see that through at least for another year or two. Um, Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen next season. If Rangers have an absolutely terrible season, that choice might not be his to make. But I would imagine he sees himself here for another couple of years in Scotland. Um, And I think... There were clear signs of progress with Rangers last season. It wasn't a perfect season by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly the position that they ended the season in was stronger than the position they were in at the start of it. And I think Gerard will see this season as a kind of pivotal one for building on that.
0: Do you think there's possibly a little bit of ego involved as well, that he doesn't want to go down there and replace Lampard in that job while Lampard moves on to Chelsea? You know They were obviously former England teammates, Mm -hmm. but they were club rivals. There might be a little bit of that. Maybe he feels if he stays up in Scotland and maybe wins a trophy, maybe even wins the league, then that'll get him that kind of higher job in the Premier League and it'll sort of get one over on Frank Lampard maybe.
1: There might be an element of that. I don't think he would... Admit that in public. I think uh, with Gerard and Lampard, there was obviously that history with the two of them, as you alluded to in your intro, the kind of inability of the two to, you know, play at their peak together for England. And um, I don't know if it was just a friendly rivalry or, or whatever it was, but I think, uh, I think for him to go and take that derby job with Lampard having just left it, I I don't think that would do much for Gerard's ego. I don't think Gerard's necessarily got a massive ego but I think he's an ambitious guy Um, and I think as you said if he can add at least a trophy um, and from his perspective hopefully the league this season um, that will definitely help his standing because as I said before I think he does want a bigger club down south I'm sure at some point he envisages himself managing Liverpool whether that's practical or not that I'm sure is part of his long-term ambition but before that I think the logical step for him would be to try and achieve some form of success at Rangers and then take on a smaller club in England before, in his eyes, eventually taking the Liverpool job.
0: Do you think this is a a bit of a boost to the ego for Scottish football as well? You know, it was bad enough Brendan Rodgers leaving Celtic <laughs> yeah. to go to Leicester, but I think if Stephen Gerrard had left Rangers mm-hmm. to go to the Championship, that would have been a real sort of... Uh, bad indication of where we stand
1: Oh definitely, I, d- I don't think For a second a club like Derby County is on, In terms of their history, in terms of their fan base uh, In terms of Their reputation Is in the same planet as Rangers However, financial realities are Completely different um, And they're probably in a position to offer Gerard a better deal than what he's on at Rangers Which by all accounts is still a very good deal um, But I think uh I think if it was if he was to go from Rangers to Derby County, that really would be a kind of sad indictment of where Scottish football is at, and that's why I don't I, you know I don't see something like Derby County attracting him at this stage in his career. Um, another way of looking at it as well in terms of Scottish football and English football is Waghorn being such a massive success down there, and uh, he really struggled when he was playing in the Premiership up here you know they didn't not necessarily struggled but hardly set it on fire yeah
0: whereas he's been banging in the goals down there and exactly uh, Garner scored quite a few goals as well yeah. down there, hasn't he, as well? So, yeah. yeah, I think people, a lot of the time, they talk about this huge sort of golfing standard between Scotland and England, certainly between the Scottish Premiership and the English Premier League there is, yeah. but that's because of the, the amount of money there. I think you get, was it, 100 million if you finish bottom Something in the Premier like League? Yeah. But I'm not sure there's a huge gap between the Championship and the top no. end of the Scottish Premiership, and I think that's a, that's a good example of that. Yeah. You also look at players like Joey Barton, who mm-hmm. came up here, was terrible, went back down, and well, when he briefly played for Burnley, looked like he was, you know, a, a class above there. So well,
1: that's, the, that's the classic example, Barton, because obviously there's a million different issues you can list with Joey Barton, but one of them is his sizeable ego. And it wasn't, if Barton was a more humble guy, he would have gone, well, this is a different challenge at a later stage of my career. I'm just going to go up, keep my mouth shut, and then do, go about my business, do my best. But instead, he was, before he'd set foot on a pitch in Glasgow he was talking about owning the league and owning Scott Brown and all the rest of it and he got his comeuppance and uh, there was quite a lot of schadenfreude going on there because everyone just loved watching what happened to Joey Barton aside from Rangers fans obviously Um, and that was that kind of arrogance of you know well I've done it proved myself down south this will be a cakewalk for me and that's we've seen it happen with other guys as well it's not as simple as that it's not as simple as saying well scottish football is a lower standard of football so i'll naturally succeed in it you forget how competitive it is and how if you are playing for celtic or rangers then the tackles that are aimed at you are more physical the strategies you're posing of your opponents are more defensive they're it's not as simple as just turning up and thinking i'm gonna I'm going to score a hat-trick against Hamilton Knackies. It just doesn't work that
0: way. Yeah, absolutely. And for a lot of teams, it's, or most teams, it's the biggest game of the season when yeah. Rangers are Celtic come calling, so they're really up yeah. to beat them. Your own fans are putting the huge pressure on you that you wouldn't yeah. have at a team like Burnley, yeah. or indeed a team like Derby. Now, I know Derby are going for promotion, but the pressure at Derby is nowhere near like no. it is at Rangers. No. No, absolutely. Uh, the thing is uh, that I thought it's quite interesting that Rangers are playing Derby in a pre-season friendly, which is going to be a bit awkward now that they've tried to nick their manager.
1: Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see... Uh, what, kind of, what kind of reception the Derby fans give Gerard if he's sort of publicly turned it down but um, it'll have to go a long way to beat what I think is the last meeting between Rangers and Derby when uh, Mosny the legendary Bilal Mosny was sent off for a diving headbutt on <laughs> not, not just a not just a headbutt yeah. a, a diving headbutt and I think it was on Chris Martin as well and or the guy from Coldplay because
0: uh, well, if so yeah
1: yeah uh, um, yeah, it was in, uh, not just a diving head, but it was in a pre-season friendly as well. So how riled do you have to be, or how much of a loose cannon do you have to be to get sent off for a diving headbutt in a preseason season yeah, friendly? Yeah, that is
0: brilliant. I think I've told the story in the podcast before, but I won't rehash it, but I once saw Lee Catamull spark a 22-man brawl with a two-footed <laughs> tackle in a pre-season friendly. So I think uh, if we're doing an 11 of angry, angry footballers, <laughs> Mosny and Catamull would absolutely have to be in
1: there. And then both get sent off for fighting each other for the captain's armband. Exactly.
0: So, looks like Stephen Gerrard will not be moving to Pride Park. And speaking of Pride Park, Partick Thistle have released their away kit, which features a special pride motif. This has been brilliantly received, with everyone agreeing that it's... Ah, wait, no, the internet. (laughs) Adam, what can we do to make straight white men feel more comfortable at the football?
1: (laughs) Uh, this is one of those podcasts where you can't swear, isn't it? Yes, unfortunately, uh, it's. I
0: mean, I guess we could bleep it, but I don't know how to do that.
1: Right. Okay. Um, well, that is really the pressing question of what we can do to make the world just that bit more comfortable for straight white men, given all the we are. We
0: are oppressed, aren't we, Adam?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, um, thanks for outing me as a straight white man, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's. It was sad. I was going to say it's predictable, but you sort of think you sort of think that within thistle you're going to have less of that element of... Yeah, so uh, just
0: talk us through, what's kind of some of the reaction being just for people who haven't seen it, not everyone's, uh, right. I guess, following Partick Thistle on Twitter.
1: Okay, so... so um, are you telling me not everyone's following Partick Thistle on Twitter? Right, okay. Yeah, nightmare, um, <laughs>
0: nightmare, nightmare pictures of Kingsley. Some people can't <laughs> deal with that.
1: Fair enough. No, uh, with uh, Thistle last night, they tweeted out previews of their new kits, which they have since launched this afternoon. Um, and the Away kit had a kind of image of the Pride rainbow flag uh, in support of LGBT+. And uh, the comments below it, let's first of all get out of the way the fact that the vast majority of people were extremely supportive of it. Um, People people were, I think, moved to comment by having seen some of the negative comments to say, this is fantastic and uh, this is, just this harms no one it is simply a positive measure to sort of increase inclusivity show solidarity with a minority group that is part of the fabric of Party thistle um however because as you said it's the internet uh there were quite a few comments below it that just had you absolutely despairing this idea that this was somehow being forced upon people stop trying to politicize the game I, I don't i take issue with that idea that it's about politicizing the game i don't think i don't think showing solidarity with the lgbt plus movement is a political act i think it's just a nice thing to do
0: yeah i mean i saw one of the comments was something like oh you know people will be getting laughed at when they go to on holiday with their mates it's like well, get new
1: <laughs> mates yeah. I,
0: nearly, I nearly swore there. I'm like get new mates yeah. then if they're gonna laugh at you for wearing a football
1: shirt that has a little rainbow on it yeah, do you know what i mean I I think with all of this I think people forget why these little acts of solidarity happen so the same thing happens uh, when the rainbow laces campaign goes on every season Uh, clubs will tweet expressing solidarity and showing that they've signed up for this rainbow laces campaign where footballers wear rainbow coloured laces for one game and you'll get all these just absolute just yeah, I'm, tra- I'm going through my brain t- to think of a suitable word for a podcast. Wrongens. Wrongens. Yeah, you get all these absolute wrongens um, who somehow see this as an attack on them rather than ch- what it is, which is just a nice bit of solidarity with people. Um, and you see it as well for any uh, religious holiday that's not Christmas or Easter. Anytime a club says, for instance, Happy Eid, mm-hmm. you see just. Tons of comments underneath it, and again, these come from the minority of supporters. The vast majority are fine, but you see it from the minority of supporters going, "What? Why does? Why do you need to do this?" And the very fact that they're asking that question is why they need to do that. It's because you still have this level of ignorance and people with the sense of entitlement going, "Well, no, my life as a straight white man is the only uh, is thre- somehow threatened by a little." Just a nice gesture showing solidarity with a minority group. Um, and the idea of what Party Thistle done, or Rainbow Laces, of all the other things we talked about, is just saying there's a wide umbrella of people that support this football club. And every one of them is as important as the other one. Every day for everyone, every day for me and you as straight white men, is straight white men day. So it's like when you get International Women's Day and these guys go,
0: well, when's International Men's Day? And there is one. Yeah, I mean, it's, and and do you know why nobody knows when it is? Because it doesn't matter. Exactly, it
1: doesn't matter. Every day of our lives is International Men's Day. Men haven't suffered the oppression that women have. Um, straight people haven't suffered the oppression that LGBT plus people have suffered. So there's no there's no need for a day to show solidarity with straight white men because yeah, everyone has their own different circumstances, but. Uh, we're not oppressed for being straight or for being white or for being men whereas people on in in Scotland whether it be in workplaces whether it be on the street whether it be outside nightclubs, whether it be in playgrounds will get on this day-to-day will be getting subjected to some kind of abuse for being LGBT plus and that is why every time a football club shows just a little bit of solidarity with that it's to be commended because it's just saying We see you, and we recognise that you're every bit as important as anyone else to this football club.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's not—you know—it's not even a huge. That it's just—it's a mostly white shirt with just a little, as you say, a little mark. You know, it's not like the dress like the village people. No,
1: No, it's it's subtle. It's just—it's again, it's just a nice thing to do, and it doesn't take away from. You supporting Partick Thistle, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, then I have to read you the very inflammatory statement that went with the kit release put out by Jerry Britton. Now, if you didn't feel oppressed before, Adam, right, wait till okay. you hear this, is this outrageous. Is, is this Britain oppressing me? Is it, it is, yeah. yeah. Partick Thistle is one club open to all. We will not accept any discrimination, and I sincerely hope this shows that. Football can be such a wonderful universal language that can help bridge all sorts of divides, both large and small. As a club, if we can use this sport that we all love to make our supporters feel welcome, even if that is through something as simple as a band of colour on a shirt, then it's a simple decision.
1: Well, that pretty much explains it, doesn't it?
0: Yes, exactly. Now, I don't understand how anyone could possibly disagree with that.
1: Yeah, it's to again. I think there's, I think there's an element with some of these people. Some of them are just very, very backwards and will just not accept any form of progress and deride any sort of movement towards more inclusive society as the work of snowflakes and social justice warriors, as opposed to just Evolution, the right thing, society moving forward in the right direction. Uh, but there's also, I think, among the younger people who leave comments on these things, almost this desire to be like seen as edgy somehow. Edge lords, edge lords. Yeah. Um, without giving any of these people the oxygen of publicity or as much publicity as you get on this podcast, you you've you're taught you're. These are people who there are people we see now in society. And some in very powerful positions who've built their careers, not just their reputations, but their careers off the back of just being rude about this kind of thing, of being of trying to be edgy about any, about just nice things like this. And uh yeah, uh we can't allow people like that to win.
0: Yeah. I mean I just hope Prison Planet doesn't find out about this. So. <laughs> Okay, you've given one of them the oxygen of publicity. Is he not? Is he not off Twitter now? I, I don't. Is know. he? Okay. Uh, well, I
1: don't he's been he's, can't, can't, can't can't twi- with he's yeah. been off my Twitter. He's been
0: off Twitter for a while. That was a personal choice. Well, yeah. Um, Graham Lenihan, he's probably raging. Well, <laughs> <laughs> moving is on. Is that topic three? Yeah. Um, yeah the, the 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 why we can't watch Father Ted anymore. <laughs> much as much as we'd love to watch Father Ted. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that I think that pretty much covers it. I think that maybe to be very slightly fair there's maybe and these are probably aren't the vocal people, there maybe is a sort of subsection of people who are sort of academically on board with it but maybe are from a time when there wasn't this kind of rightly this kind of uh inclusivity and awareness with the lg lgbt plus is LG, yes, lgbt plus community where you know they they're in favor of gay marriage in favor that they just you know they just kind of still have the attitude of well i don't want to see it mm-hmm. not 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 it just you know I, I do don't um you, you know they they don't really understand the the sort of motivation behind it. They're probably not badly motivated. Yeah, it's just something that is completely alien to them and they yeah. don't understand. So I, I think that would probably be the third, uh, I guess, subsection of people if we're talking about people who would be against this. But I think those are those people. I think wouldn't comment on it. You know, they not. wouldn't put it down. They might just sort of inside be
1: like, I don't really understand this. I I get that. I think. And I've all, I've been guilty in the past of just writing off a lot of you kind know, of older generation when they have that sort of view of just going well this is this is how people are they'll never change this is how they'll always think. But for one of a better example, I always come back to Neville Southall. Um, I don't know if everyone's familiar with Neville Southall on Twitter. as the ex Everton and the Wales goalkeeper, um, but he's I think about sixty odd, and so he's of a generation. And and particularly coming from football from like the seventies, eighties, and nineties, where it's a very kind of natural culture as well. He's He's of that generation and of that kind of background. Where I would say, well, yeah, he's just one of these people who uh, they have their opinions, and you know, nothing's going to change that. But he's been so active and vocal on Twitter, uh, in handing over his Twitter account to people from marginalised uh, positions within society, and. Basically, going. Do you know what? I don't know enough about this. Whether it be LGBT plus issues or sex workers or anything like that, and going. I, I don't know enough about this, so I'm going to let people educate me. And that just proves that people, and uh, you know, of an older generation, are perfectly able to change and be and and listen and just accept that, that, that things do change. The only. The only thing that slightly—it that doesn't even undermine it—but the the thing that I can't not think of with the Neville Southall thing, the adult babies, yeah, yeah, the the line. I uh, think he, he was supposed to he, at one point he was going to be handing his Twitter account over to adults who dressed uh, in nappies possibly yeah. and uh, then after realizing that was maybe a bridge too far tweeted the immortal line the ad- <laughs> apologies that the adult babies take over is off yes <laughs> that
0: was one of the greatest tweets of all time no i absolutely agree with you and i think so i think that you you should always expect people to be open to new things and open to changing their ideas and open open to sort of developing things all i'm saying is that people who are perhaps in the process of that yeah. and aren't Perhaps where society is, but are you know are moving toward that? That maybe those people we shouldn't condemn with the edgelords lords and the actual homophobes.
1: No, that no that makes that makes sense. And that, as you said, those people are probably not the ones who are leaving the comments underneath it. They're probably not the ones who are putting gifs of people throwing up and all that kind of thing underneath it. Um, those are your edgelords, lords, for want of a better word. Yes,
0: your edgelords lords and your actual virulent homophobes. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Finally, it was confirmed today that we're bidding farewell to a living Scottish football legend as Chris Boyd hangs up his boots. This must be particularly devastating news for the man behind Old Firm Facts. He must have provided you with some top content down the years, Adam.
1: Yeah, it's funny with with Boyd. Um, he's. I I think we're going to look back. There'll be like a kind of reassess, a reevaluation of Boyd. Like he was a kind of maybe like a sort of slightly derided. 90s action blockbuster that we're looking back on and going actually that was a classic of the genre I think years from now people look back and go Chris Boyd was quite an underrated player because I've spent you know on Twitter I've had plenty of kind of jokes at his expense over the years one thing I really like about Chris Boyd as a guy is the fact that he can clearly take a joke he's very open to taking the mickey out of himself um, and he doesn't seem to get riled up by others doing it at him as sort of witnessed by the, the sort of belly celebration when he uh, scored against Aberdeen last season. He's clearly got a bit of a sense of humour. But as a player, Boyd, is you know what you're getting with Chris Boyd. You're not going to turn up at Rugby Park, say, in the last couple of years and go, oh, Chris Boyd's been dropping deep quite a bit and then he scored a spectacular goal where he picked up in his own half and beat four men. That's not what you're getting from Chris Boyd. But you put Chris Boyd in the penalty box and give him a chance... And you're more comfortable or more confident in him finishing it than the vast majority of strikers that have played in Scottish football for the last 25 years or so. Um, And obviously, um, it, it was never fair to compare him to Henrik Larson. Henrik Larson was a far better and more rounded footballer. But the fact that there were some people who would take that comparison seriously, I think is testament to how consistent a goal scorer Boyd was. So he was never never a top-level footballer, he was never an all-rounder, but as a finisher, as I said, I don't think there have been many better than him in the last 25 years of Scottish football.
0: No, I absolutely agree, and I think in some ways you could argue he's sort of the last of a dying breed, you know, if he'd been born maybe five years earlier, I think, he was born and sort of came into his prime just at the time when football was kind of moving away from having just that guy up front who scores goals. Now, yeah. you look the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, you had players like, now I'm not comparing Boyd to these players in terms of ability, but you had guys like uh, Filippo Nzaghi, Robbie yeah. Fowler, David Trezegui, yeah. guys who, Rud van Nistelrooy would be another one, guys who would just stand in the box and they wouldn't do anything all game, they wouldn't contribute to the build-up play, but when the ball came to them, you knew they were going to score. Yeah. And I think you couldn't, certainly at the top level of football, you couldn't really name any players nowadays mm-hmm. who do that. And yeah. I think that Boyd, you know, essentially was, was is an old school striker yeah. and just sort of in the wrong time. You look at when Rangers got to the UEFA Cup final, I think he mm-hmm. got four minutes in the final and he didn't play the semi-finals. Yeah. He scored 25 goals for Rangers that season, but even then, Walter Smith had a team that was set up to work hard and he didn't want basically a guy up there who was just going to be standing around and putting the ball in the net. But, I mean, from a personal point of view, you know, I saw Chris Boyd's debut. I saw his first mm-hmm. start. I saw his first goal. And I agree with you. I think you can't knock him for what he's achieved yep. and just in terms of the goals he scored. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers, he's got 138 goals for Rangers. he got 136 for Kelly. Uh, that makes him come on fifth all-time highest top goal scorer, second in terms of top flight league goals. Mm-hmm. He had a he would have been joint fourth in the all time list, but he had a goal incorrectly ruled out against St. Johnson, which right. as uh, going to your earlier point, he said it must have been ruled offside because of his fat belly. So you know <laughs> he obviously can take yeah. a joke in that way. And yeah, I think you look at you know you can look back at the goals he's got. He was a great great finisher. Yeah. Now he didn't do the other stuff, and I think as I said, I think that was because he's. He was sort of uh, an anachronism uh, in the time that he played, but he he scored so many goals. He scored 300 goals in his career, and yet that can only be looked back on as a great achievement.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you boil football down to its core element, uh, you know, the team that scores the most goals wins a game, and uh, you can thank me later for that devastating tactical insight, but if you you have a player like Chris Boyd in your team, um, you might not have the bulk of the chances, but if you're going to get one or two chances in a game, you're going to be confident Boyd's going to score it. In terms of what you're saying about Boyd almost being a kind of throwback, you know, the the game has advanced so much over the years. Um, I was talking with my wife, actually, about the Maradona documentary, which I know you've seen, I'm going to see tomorrow, I think. We um, were talking about uh, the way, like, a, a Maradona probably couldn't have existed in 2019 a guy who's never in sort of peak physical fitness. Um so much of the game has moved towards even players not necess- not not just players at the elite level, but players below that. Are everyone's built. Everyone is super fit. And Boyd does stand out there because I, you know, we all sort of overplay Boyd's weight thing. He's Yes he's certainly know, fitter than both yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah like Boy boy Boyd is not actually a, a fat guy it's just an easy thing to throw at him if you're like an away fan at a Killy game but uh he's not the sort of super fit modern athlete either that you sort no. of come to expect in a modern game but he's a throwback in the sense that uh rather than becoming a sort of super drilled guy who's super fit and uh he incredible tactical awareness he's just a guy that played football with a smile on his face had a laugh while he was doing it you, there's so many photos of Chris Boyd going back years where he actually it, it, it seems like a daft thing to say but he really seems to enjoy playing football um, and you see for a lot of guys that play the game these days and this is totally understandable but they they don't seem to necessarily Enjoy it. Even if you think at the top level, Lionel Messi, right? You watch him playing for Argentina in particular. That's a guy that looks, it looks like, like he's he has the world him. on his shoulders. Yeah. 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 That's a guy who has achieved things light years ahead of whatever Chris Boyd could have ever achieved in this game. But I bet Boyd pr- would you put Boyd playing for Kelly against Messi playing for Argentina only one of those guys is having a good time while he's doing it you and know? I
0: think that's something that a lot of fans in the later years of his career admittedly that he became sort of more of a pantomime villain than an actual yeah. sort of hate figure you know I remember going to a game at Easter Roads uh 2017-18 it was five three. Boyd scored two goals, and then he, yeah. scored, he scored a great free kick. And I remember speaking to some Hibs fans at the pub after the game. I'm like, do you not hate Boyd? And they're like, nah, we don't really hate him. It's mm-hmm. a kind of, you know, it's a it's a kind of like dynamic they have. You know, they'll they'll make fun of him for being fat, then he'll score and he'll do the sort of fat yeah, yeah. belly celebration. I think it was probably much the same with Aberdeen. You know, you saw yeah. he scored against them earlier this season, and he did the same thing. I think. It, possibly not for Celtic fans and indeed actually probably Rangers fans after his second spell. I think for probably most fans in the country, it's they find him probably a bit more endearing now than they did before. I think if we're being here, it probably was the right time for him to retire. He only got two league goals last season, both of which were penalties. Um, But I just wanted to also touch on just before we finish up, he's also done a lot of great work for mental health, which I think sort of ties into what we were talking about before. Now, Chris Boyd is, uh, he's a, Scottish man. He's from a working class family. He, as admitted himself, he didn't have a great knowledge of mental health issues, which we know. I mean, the suicide rate among young men is high, and his Mm -hmm. brother, very sadly, took his own life. And since then, Boyd has been, you know, really. He's he's got got his foundation. Mm -hmm. He goes and talks to people about mental health, and he's really tried to find out more about it and sort of uh, educate others about it. And I think that's a really positive thing and one you might not expect from someone of his background of his age of his profession mm-hmm.
1: absolutely um it was it was one it, when they when he began his foundation i think there, were, there, there weren't many people as high profile within scottish society that were taking as concrete a step in terms of a uh, kind of addressing mental health issues certainly not within football there, there are lots of fantastic initiatives being done with we've, uh, we've spoken before i wrote. A, before for Football Scotland about the changing room initiative that's been going on at Hearts and Hibs and possibly some other clubs in the future as well um, and it's fantastic to see Chris Boyd and his foundation becoming a sort of part of that fabric um, and I think anytime a kind of high profile guy particularly from what I was saying earlier quite a macho environment traditionally football where you're not necessarily encouraged to talk about your feelings Um, I think that has to help people I think seeing someone like Boyd who's been in that sort of environment of dressing rooms where everyone's constantly sort of bantering with each other for want of a better word Um, I think uh, to have him come out and stress the importance of uh, understanding mental health issues of checking on your friends of talking to each other and understanding the issues better I I think that's a fantastic testament to him and I think that's going to be a major part of his legacy.
0: I think that's a pretty perfect summation there. Yeah. That's all from us at Football Scotland today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website, on our social media channels, on Facebook and Twitter, which is at football underscore Scott. And to ask a question or to make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at Gary Mackay and Adam on at OldFirmFacts1. Till tomorrow, thank you for listening.